0: We're coming back. Everybody, we're going to start soon. You want to find your seats. We got a lot to receive today from different men, different fathers of the house. So uh, the first person that we're going to hear from is Jacob Beers, if you want to head on up. So... Jacob won the last man standing yesterday with the water balloons, um, and he got, in my opinion, the best prize that was available. It was a hot potato that like electrocutes you. You know, like so. There's no more guessing anymore or lying on who it lands on. Whoever it lands on, you get shocked. You know. Uh, so here's Jacob.
1: Hey, how's it going? <clears throat> So I wasn't nervous at all about getting up here and sharing until like last night. And then all of a sudden I got super nervous. And uh, when that happens to me, I have this tendency to like completely go blank on everything that I knew that I was gonna say, right? So I'm gonna go ahead uh, and tell you the end of like the important thing that I want you to get <laughs> in case I blank at some point. And then we'll go back through and I'll explain it, okay? So uh, I have just something that I want to encourage fathers and men with this morning, uh, which is that uh, no matter what happens, just keep on going, okay? Um, God has given you, he's called you, and he's given you what you need in order to sow into the lives of the people around you, the ones that you're responsible for, and uh, they need you to uh, keep playing the game every day, right? Okay, so now, assuming I don't go blank partway through this, Um, How many of you have seen the movie Jumanji? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So uh, the new ones with um, a bunch of people in them are really funny, but we're not going to talk about those. We're going to talk about the 1995 one uh, with Robin Williams, right? Okay. Yeah, how many of you have seen that one specifically? Okay, so I was um, praying and talking to the Lord a couple weeks ago about what I should be sharing about uh, because I didn't really have a good idea, and he brought up the movie Jumanji for me. Uh, And he helped me to realize that that's actually totally a movie about fatherhood. How many of you already knew that? Okay, good. When I was talking to God about it, I was like, it's about fatherhood? Okay. I went back and watched the movie And then I felt like, oh, maybe uh, this is so obvious that everybody else knows this and I'm late to the party. (laughs) And uh, I'm gonna feel bad if I stand up here and explain something that everybody else already knows. (laughs) So, okay. Um, In the movie Jumanji, just to give you a brief uh, go through of it for those who haven't seen it since 1995. um, Jumanji is a board game, right? That has like magical powers and when you play it, our world begins to interact with the wild world of Jumanji, and lots of things that want to kill you come out of the board game, right? And you have to keep on playing the game until you win, and then all of the bad things go back. Well, at the very beginning of the movie, uh, a boy and a girl, Alan and Sarah, um, end up playing the game, and uh, a bunch of wild things come into the world, and then Alan (coughs) uh, rolls the dice, and he gets sucked into Jumanji, um, and trapped there for 26 years, right? Well, the board game gets buried, it fast forwards to the future, and um, another boy and girl, this time brother and sister, um, move into the house of that boy and they find the board game Jumanji and they decide to play it. Well, in the course of them playing it, a bunch of wild things come out and try to attack them and they barely survive, right? And then at one point, Judy, the older sister, rolls the dice, and a lion comes out and jumps out and tries to eat them, and they're running away, and it's got them cornered in their house, and they're about to be eaten. And then all of a sudden, this jungle man comes out of nowhere and rescues them from this lion, and it turns out to be Alan, who had been trapped in Jumanji for 26 years, right? Uh, He rescues them, and then they have a little bit of uh, relief from the things that are trying to eat them, uh, and they have a chance to dialogue a little bit. And... Uh, Alan is so excited to finally be back in the real world, right, that he immediately tries to find his parents. Um, and he is uh, really saddened to find out that they've passed on, right, that he can't go back to being a child anymore, right. He can't pick up where he left off. So he, um, he resolves, even though the uh, uh, Judy and Peter, the kids, need him, and they ask him to play the board game with them. He resolves that he's going to go off and live for himself. He's going to start a new life um, as an adult in the real world. But uh, as he's preparing, he goes into the, the kitchen and he tries to get a snack, and he's preparing to go out on his own and take care of himself. Uh, Judy and Peter, uh, they start to beg him to play the game. They say, we, we, you don't even have to play the game. Just come and watch us so that you can keep us safe and you can give us instruction because we can't be left alone. We need you to be here with us. And he refuses, and he says he's not going to do it uh, until Peter uh, starts to use reverse psychology on him. And he says, like, you know what? We don't really need you anyways. You know, you're clearly scared, so we don't want somebody scared backing us up anyways. We'll just play on our own. And Alan, having lived in the world of Jumanji for 26 years, gets offended by this, and he says, oh, no, listen, you don't know what's in that board game. I've been through it. I'm gonna be there with you because you'll die without me. And he agrees to go and watch them, but says he's not gonna play the game. Uh, and you know, then Judy and Peter have a moment where they realize that they outsmarted this guy and they're really proud of themselves. So they go off and they start <clears throat> playing the board game and they try to roll the dice and they find out that they can't play the game anymore. It's not responding to them. It's at that moment that Alan realizes that he has to play the game. He can't leave Judy and Peter to their own devices to play the game on their own. He has to participate. They, they can't finish the game until he continues with them. Um, so he agrees finally to play the game, but he also says that he can't do it alone either. Um, he shows them that there's a fourth piece on the board and that that's the piece that Sarah, the girl that he started playing with 26 years ago, um... Uh, that was her piece, and that she has to play for that piece as well. So they go and they find her, and they find out that she has been uh, traumatized by the experience of playing Jumanji and watching Alan be sucked into this board game, right? Well, uh, fast forward a little bit. They finally get a hold of her, and they convince her to play the game, but she has a moment where she starts to confess some of her fears. And she turns to Alan and she says, listen, I can't play this game because I'm afraid of um, what happened to you happening to me. What if I get sucked into this game and I get lost for 26 years? And Alan turns to her and he says, listen, that's not going to happen. Okay? Not because I know that you're not going to get sucked into this board game, but because even if you do, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to keep playing the board game until it's finished and we'll win the game, and you'll come back out. Right? Okay. Well, at that moment, all four of them have committed to playing the game. Right? Now, Alan and Sarah were little kids, and he just got out of the jungle for 26 years. And uh, Judy and Peter, the siblings, uh, they're actually orphans. Right? At the beginning of the movie, you find out that their parents had died, um, and that they were trying to um uh, figure out life uh without the parents that had raised them but here in the middle of the movie we find that they've formed a family right and that alan even though he um doesn't really have a a mindset for how to be an adult right because he was living as a kid in the jungle for so long he's choosing to put those things behind him and lead the family that he has right anyways We move on with the movie, there's there's like so much good stuff in this movie that I'm trying to compress it really hard. Um, But anyways, we get to the end of the movie. And uh, uh, one thing that's awesome about Robin Williams' character, Alan, is that he just consistently has opportunities to uh, throw in the towel, to say that this is too hard, to just try and get things over with or whatever. And he always reacts with uh, compassion and encouragement and taking personal responsibility for his faults, right? He's not perfect, but he does always play the game, right? And that means he always plays Jumanji, but it also means that he always uh, is the dad that he needs to be, right? So, we get to the end of the movie and uh, everything's falling apart. The, the board game Jumanji is about to win, right? So, uh, uh, Sarah, has been uh, like the sand, the floor turned into quicksand and she got stuck in it. Uh, Peter tried to cheat and he got turned into a monkey. And uh, Judy got shot by a poison flower and she is on the verge of death, right? And all that's left is Alan. Um, And he's on a cliff. Um, The house is like breaking apart. There's a gigantic earthquake, all this stuff. He rolls the dice and it lands on the exact right number and his piece moves on to the center of the board and he wins and he shouts, Jumanji, right? And uh, um, there's like some cool 1995 CGI. And uh, uh, all of a sudden everything gets undone and it's back to him and Sarah as teenagers playing this board game. And all of the wild bad things that have been terrifying everybody have been reset and they're all gone. The world is back to the way that it should be, right? Well, Um, That is all well and good, and it makes for a really good movie. But unfortunately in our lives, and I'm sure that you fathers can understand this, fathers do not always win their game of Jumanji, right? Sometimes in our world, the board game does win. Um, And you can be the best dad ever in the world, and there may be forces outside of your control, right? Or maybe you're the best dad in the world, but the best dad still isn't good enough, right? Well, one thing that's great about us as Christians um, is that our identity as fathers isn't based on our strength as a father, right? It's based on the strength of our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father doesn't lose his board game, right? And that's an amazing thing about... um, our Father in Heaven, is that even when uh, we partnered with the game, right, when we got on Jumanji's team against God, right, he kept playing the game for our sake, right? That's what the whole Bible is filled with, is times when humanity turned on God, our Father, and we attacked him, we broke our promises, we cheated him, we tried to get a one-up on him, Right? but then he chose to keep playing the game because he didn't want to abandon us, right? So uh, in the movie Jumanji, after uh, Alan wins the game and everything gets set back to normal, um, I don't know what year it's supposed to be, but it's back in the past. They, he and Sarah kind of process what's going on and then they take Jumanji and they tie a big rock to it and they throw it in a river (laughs) and they get rid of it, right? They go back, they live their lives, And then uh, the movie jumps forward again to the present day 1995 or whatever it is in the movie. Uh, And it's interesting because uh, Alan and Sarah, even though they played the board game, they remember all the experiences they have. So uh, even though they go back to being teenagers, they're actually like 40-year-old adults. (laughs) Uh, And they have to live through high school as, you know, but you're adults, which I'm sure was horrible. Um, but they, um, it it gets back to them being adults. They've gotten married and they're living in the house that Alan grew up in. But this time, instead of it being a place of danger and being a place, uh, you know, of of tragedy, right, of lots of brokenness, they're having a Christmas party, right, and uh, they are a happy family expecting their first child. the whole community, which was actually falling apart back in the Jumanji days, is now uh, having a party at their house because they own a business that is um, bringing economic prosperity to the whole city, right? Um, And you can see that healing has been brought not just to their family, but to the city as a whole, and as a nice little twist at the end, Judy and Peter, the kids that they formed a family with in the Jumanji era, uh, have come to their house for the Christmas party because their dad got hired to work at Alan's company, right? Um, And uh, there's more stuff there, but I'm going to go ahead and cut it off because I'll just talk forever about this movie. (laughs) But anyways, to go back to the point of what I'm saying, The encouragement that we can take away from that movie, but that we can also take away from who God has called us to be as fathers, right? Is to don't stop playing the game, right? Your fathers, your your wives, your kids, your community, they all depend on you to keep on playing the game, right? And sometimes it'll be hard because you'll be scared from things in your past that you'll, you've experienced and that you wanna walk away from. You'll be, uh, You'll be discouraged because you don't feel like you have things to offer the people around you, right? Or you'll just be scared of Jumanji and know that you may not be able to complete the game, right? But one thing that you do have control over and that God has said that he'll be faithful to you for is to help you keep on playing, right? And we have the promise that he has finished that game himself, right? So we can trust him in that. All right. Dear Lord, thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, that you have set a good example for us, and um, that you never gave up on us. You never quit playing the game. I thank you for this day to celebrate uh, who you are in that, and I also um, pray that you would help us to follow, um, us fathers and men, to follow that same suit. Uh, I pray that you would strengthen our hands to help us to be a blessing to um, all of those around us that you've put in our care and that who depend on us, and I pray that you would help us to do that with joy and faith that comes from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.
0: The next person we have is George. Is he in here? Oh, there he is. Okay, good. So, George, uh, he won. We, you know, we had two massive slingshots out there yesterday. And he won the game of getting it closest to the other opponent's slingshot. And he got a really sweet hunting knife or, you know, big old knife. So that was his prize yesterday. The best knife ever. <laughs> best knife ever, Matt.
2: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All I want to say is that as a father, I need this every single day. <laughs> I'm not trying to endorse Mountain Dew, but I do need some Mountain Dew every now and then. Uh, um, uh, to say that I'm, I'm nervous is an understatement. Um, I'm not really used to speaking in front of people eloquently, but I'll do the best that I can today. It is Father's Day and I have a lot of children. <laughs> yes, amen, I am blessed. Where well, they say um, my quiver is full, overflowing. It's not pressed down or shaken together. It's just running over. Um, so I am blessed. So Jacob asked me, I think a couple weeks ago, if I would be willing to to speak on Father's Day about you know what fatherhood means to me, and and I agreed to do that, and. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'll make this whole speech, and I'll come up here and I'll deliver it, and you guys will be like, "Yes, that's the meaning, and everything, you know, will be understood in that moment." And then life happened. You know, you got work, you got kids, you got bills, all those things that take the place of you doing what you should be doing, and you can't take care of yourself. So I didn't get a chance to write anything out. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and my wife told me this morning and she's like, Hey baby, you know what you gonna say? I said, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lord will provide. The Lord will... <laughs> He will give you the words to say today this morning. I know I got like five or eight minutes, so I'm not gonna go long, but um I did wanna first pose a question while I'm looking for my verse. Um for the fathers for the mothers, for the children. What does fatherhood mean to you? Just take a pause and think about that for a second. What does fatherhood mean to you, to me? OK. When you get that thought inside your head, let it kind of sit right there. I'm going to read a verse, um, John 3:16. probably one of the most Important verses in the whole entire Bible, um, and it's kind of funny that I'm reading this and I'm using this as as my base today. It's funny because my daughter and I, one of my daughters, I got six daughters and one son. Um, we were listening to what was it, um, what's it, a YouTube channel that had Bible verses to sleep by and just kind of like, you know, like sleep in peace and, you know, have all the, you know, God's word speaking to you while you sleep and we we're driving. So like, you know, we weren't sleeping, but we were driving and I just played it. <laughs> so we were driving and, you know, they were saying verses and I was, you know, saying them out too. That's something that my dad gave to me when I was a kid. You know, he made us learn the Bible. He made us you know, practice it, memorize it, and all those things because you know he wanted us to have it inside of our heart so that we wouldn't you know stray too far away. Though we strayed from that, it always brought us back. It always brought me back. So we're you know it's going along, and then you know it gets to that to this verse here, John three sixteen, and you guys are probably know by heart because we we're raised like that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to say it one more time. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. When that verse came on, after it was over, I paused it and I asked her, I said, Hey, Janessa, what does that mean? And she was like, well, it means that God gave his son, but we're his children too. God didn't have any children. I said, but yes, he did. It was Jesus. And that was because he loved us. Yes, we are his children. He gave his son, his only son Because he loves us. And that's what a father does. A father sacrifices the most precious things for their children. And in this case, he sacrificed his child for his adopted children. So we're talking and talking, and I was like, okay, does that make sense to you? You know, she's 11. Eh. So I was like, okay, check this out. what does it mean to be adopted? She said it means to, to get a kid from some other parent who, don't, who couldn't take care of their kid. I said exactly, God adopted us, but in doing so he had to sacrifice, he chose to sacrifice his son to do so. This is even before the world began. That's how much he loves us even right now in this moment and her eyes kind of like sparkled and twinkled. And I'm like, okay, I think she got it yeah. right. And I was like, okay, well, there's something else to the this, to this story though. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus agreed to give his life so that we could become part of his family. That's love as well. So we're driving. It's like all this love stuff, and we're like, you know, cruising. And she's, you know, looking at me. I can't see her because I'm driving. And I don't want to crash or anything. And, be, and you know, and meet Jesus right there. <laughs> so we're just like, just letting it sit and let it marinate. So I'll cut to this morning right now. When I think about that conversation and I think about my this morning, and I think about what a father is supposed to be, how he's supposed to act, how he's supposed to conduct himself. I know and I see that I fall short. Like there's no way in the world that I can measure up to, to what I think a father is, what a father should do. I'm sorry, and if I cry, I'm going to cry. I don't, it's not because of the pink shirt. I love pink. <laughs> I just, feel, I just feel, real deep, I feel real deep about this, and I need to take a drink real fast so y'all can take a moment to just. Sorry. It should have been uncapped in the first place. But I know I'm not going to measure up. And I fail so many times. And I can't compare to what I think fatherhood is. Because we all have our ideas of what what a real father should be and what a good father should be. You know, we have our pictures of like back in the day when we used to watch Family Ties, and you know, different strokes, and those dads are all like, you know, there with their kids, and they're spending time, and they're going camping and going fishing, and it's like all about your kids, and you know, and and they're working, you know, you know, and they're like all relaxed, and don't, there's no like bags in their eyes. They're just like, hey, <laughs> let's go on a trip to so and so, and let's just you know, but let me work, let me work these you know 50 hours. And then we're still gonna do these things. So that was, you know, my idea of what a father was and what a father does and all those things. And, you know, I can't compare to that. I can't compare to that. I can't compare it to, to the sacrifice that God gave to make me his son. And in that, like Jacob said, there's grace for us we're not always going to get it right. You might never get it right. In fact, don't even plan on getting it right. <laughs> don't even plan on it. Because when you think you're going to get it right, there's a piece inside there that's not right. Because it's you thinking that you're going to get it right. And God's thoughts are above our thoughts. And He has a plan. His ways are above our ways. He has a plan. Three letters, three words, MVP. What fatherhood means to me is that I I will do the best that I can and take care of my children, that I do the best that I can to take care of my wife, do the best that I can to provide. It means that I'm gonna choose the good thing. And when I make a mistake, I'm gonna choose to apologize. I'm going to choose to step back. I'm going to choose to pause and reflect about what I did and make another choice. A lot of times when I chose to do something or just something happened automatically, it's like you can see yourself being an idiot, part of my language, and you can see yourself Triggered, or you can see yourself talking in a certain kind of way to whoever it is, whether it's your wife, your kids, or at your job. And it's like you have tape over your mouth, or like in the movie um, in the movie The Matrix, right? Remember how they like erase his mouth? Yeah. That's how I feel like when I'm when I'm yelling or whatever. I'm over here like. Like, like, stop, like, dude, stop, just love your kids, hold your kids, they love you, they want you. What it means is that we have to take the tape off, pause in that moment, and do the thing that we have to do for the situation. And the V, the value, the value of being a father goes way, 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 way beyond we could even imagine, or like just grasp in our minds, because we can see the deficit of the lack of, or the taking away of the father figure, the father I can't think of the word. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't know, you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like, there is a standard, and we are here for a purpose as a father, and when we remove that from the equation in any form of fashion, there's a deficit. So being a father is, is, is priceless. You can see it in schools, you can see it in, in work, you can see it all over the place, all over the news. It's invaluable. And I get to pee, the purpose. The purpose of being a father, it kind of goes with the value, kind of goes with the meaning. The purpose of being a father is that we're given others. We're given our children. We're given our co-workers. We're given our wives. We're given the purpose of that is, is to, is to, is to let people know, let people see God's heart through us. Our purpose is to, you know, be fruitful multiply and subdue the land and help with wonderful things. But it's, we're here as a mirror of, of, of God's love to reflect on everybody around us. Yes, some of our mirrors are cracked. But even a cracked mirror shows a reflection. Even a cracked mirror shows a reflection. There's all kinds of cracks in everything that we do, and we're not gonna be perfect. The other day, you know um friend now. The other day I was on the phone with my daughter and she said something and it just it kind of like just uh, it, 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 it gut punched me because and whatever moment I was in, that wasn't thinking about how she felt, it made me pause. And it brought me to my knees. And the whole entire week, all I could think of is that my baby feels like this. My baby feels like this because of me. And I did not, I do not ever want my children to feel like, whether it's, I'll just be real, unwanted, good enough because of me. And when I think that I am doing all the right things and I get them all the right stuff, but it's not with me in it, then all that stuff doesn't mean anything. So when I reflect on fatherhood and why it's important, the meaning, the value, the purpose of fatherhood, it's me doing the best that I can, and when I can't, to pause, back up, and restart. Because nobody said that just because I made a decision that I got to just keep on following that road of mistakes or following that dark road with all the holes in it and cracks in it. I can pause. I can look both ways. I can look at this street, and I can look at that street. And I can see those cracks on that road. And I can see this nice paved road over here. And I can stop and choose to go this way. That's what being a father is to me. I can't speak for everybody in this room, but it's about catching what you're doing and choosing a better path. I'm closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for being the number one father. You are the reason. You are the purpose. You are the meaning. You are the standard. And even though we fall short of being like you, you already know. You've already made a way, and you've already made a contingency plan for that. Lord, as a father, I just thank you for being my daddy. Being a daddy that holds me in your arms, being a dad that holds every single tear, being a daddy that doesn't condemn me for the mistakes that I make, being a daddy that allows me to choose and allows me to choose again the right path. Thank you for the billboards that say turn Around. Go back. Your exit is here. Thank you, God, for all the the hints. And Lord, I pray for all the fathers in this room. I pray for all of them, Lord. That they'll hear what you have for them to hear what I'm saying today. And that they'll be able to pause, step back, and make a better choice. Lord, that they would listen for your whisper. And not for the earthquake, and not for the wind, and not for the fire. Because you're not inside that. But they would pause, and they would have to incline their ear to hear what you're saying. Forcing themselves to stop. Because that's where you are. We thank you, Lord, for your great sacrifice in making us a part of your family. Show us how to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you, George. Randy, if you want to start heading down. Randy's up next. Randy won um, the water balloon prize of uh, not showing up yesterday. I think he didn't want to make me feel like a baby by hitting me with balloons.
3: Just in case. It was the summer of 1966, I was in Chulai, Vietnam, and I finally got my orders to come back to America, and I can tell you how happy I was. I was very happy that I had managed to survive 366 days. I was only supposed to be there 365, but they... One day I said, oh, good, don't let me die on the 366th day. <laughs> anyway, um, back in those days, I mean, I was proud to go to Vietnam to fight for my country. I mean, that was the, the thing and the, probably the most unpopular war in history. Um, so on the way back, uh, there were 47 of us on this Continental airplane flying back. And all the way back, I was just recounting my year over there. And uh, finally, we got to San Francisco, where we landed. And as we landed and were taxiing to the, the place where we are going to get off the plane, there was a crowd outside, a uh, fairly good crowd, maybe 30, people, I don't know. And I'm thinking, wow, this is cool. There's people here gonna, you know, glad you were there, rah, 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 all that good stuff. And so I kind of changed my mood a little bit and kind of made me happy until I got off the plane and found out they were not there to cheer me on, but they were there to say, hey, baby killer, what are you doing here and throwing beer cans and different things at us. and uh, Anyway, it was uh, pretty tough. And w- what happened to me in like a nanosecond was I suddenly hated America. I mean, you go from here to there like that. So I'm on my way back to Omaha, Nebraska, where we lived at the time. And uh, on the way back on the plane, this hatred even grew more. I have made up my mind at that time, that short four-hour flight, to, as soon as I got out of the Navy, to move to another country. And I was dead serious. Why would I want to live in this country? So, um, when I got off the plane, I went right from the airport to where my dad works. He worked at a kind of a grocery store, he was a meat cutter called Buffett and Son Grocery. And I went in and he spotted me. This is really hard, I thought it'd be easy. Uh, He spotted me and he came running around the counter in the middle of this store. And he uh, he grabbed me and gave me the longest hug. He had never, ever hugged me in his life. He never told me he loved me. But yet, he was a good man. As I found out more about him throughout life, I found out that he didn't... <clears throat> Didn't know how to love. He, was, he grew up with parents that farmed him out at the age of seven. He had no parents, so this is who he was. But that same nanosecond that it take, took me to hate America, a hug from my father, Ch- changed all that. I uh, decided to obviously stay in America. (laughs) I'm still here. Anyway. But it it showed, you know, to have an idea of who your father is and have a wrong idea get changed in just that, that time, how all he did was hug me and love me and it was real and it just impacted my life I wasn't following Jesus in those days but um, so it was easy for me to make these uh, wild decisions but uh, anyway very cool story about my father Uh, taught me a lot story number two I'm a father it's 19 87, my wife and my two kids and I moved down here. To, we live in Overland Park. That's where we moved to. And it was in the, the that summer of '87. I'm I'm born again Christian finally, and uh, I'm laying on my couch studying the Word. And uh, I want to read to you what I'm studying. It's out of James 3 and it says the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself a fire fire. By hell! I wish I wouldn't have done that tearing up thing. I'm running my nose. That's what I'm studying. I'm I'm uh, in the Word. I'm talking to Jesus. All this stuff. My six-year-old son Jason is across the room. He's brand new in Overland Park. He doesn't have any friends, so he's just over there playing with some trucks and cars and things that he has and you know little kids are he's bang bang and I'm going son would you just quiet down a little bit dad's studying and uh, just be a little quiet okay dad so I'm I'm asking the lord what is all this really about bang <laughs> bang and so I take a breath and I go, "Jason, you're getting loud again, would you just?" "Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. Okay." So I'm back in my zone and uh, really getting spiritual. <laughs> and bam, boom, and one of what the... <laughs> And finally, here's actually what happened. Finally, I said, Jason, what is the matter with you? Are you stupid or something? And as I said that, now you got to keep in mind, I've asked the Lord to show me what this is all about. <laughs> I literally saw, some people think I'm crazy, but I did, arrows fly out of my mouth, fiery darts land right in his heart. And what he did next is he, and and God wouldn't let me off the couch right away. It was like he was pushing me down. My son picked up his cars very carefully, cuddled them in his arms, got up very slowly, hung his head, and walked to his bedroom. Did I screw up? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did. And so, as I laid there for the, until the Lord released me, I knew, of course, what I had to do. I had to go talk to him and, and change this thing. I walk in the bedroom, he's sitting on the corner of his bed, head hung, turned away from me, and I kind of pushed him over a little bit so I could sit next to him. and I said, "Son, I, I really have to apologize. What Dad said was not true. Yes, it was, Dad. I am stupid. And I said, no. No, and he was arguing with me. He goes, Dad, I, I am stupid. You're right. So anyway, I'm, now I'm praying like crazy because his whole world is changing because of some stupid thing I said. And so anyway, it took me a half hour, just talk this through with him, get him to finally raise his head up and to look me in the eyes and tell him I loved him, that he wasn't stupid, and to get him to believe that. And I'm, I'm telling this story because I think fathers, sometimes we just mess up. And for me, that was a big mess up. Because it could have changed the course of his life. And after you know, that just stuck with me, of course, for several days. And we became really close after that because I, I made it a point to, you know, keep encouraging, keep talking, and, and do things together. But the Lord showed me something there. And he said, what he said to me was, if you had not gone in there and done what you did it would, it would have changed the course of his life and so fathers, especially young fathers that have kids you can hurt your 40 year old father or son but uh, just, just be on guard be careful with their hearts. Their hearts, when they're young like that, are so tender. And uh, we need to be great fathers for our kids. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lord, I just lift, lift up all the fathers in our f- church family right here. And I pray, God, that we would all seek you. Uh, we need you to help us, Father to be good fathers to our children, uh, to respect our fathers, and just just to love them like we should. In Jesus' name.
0: Matt, you want to come on up? Matt won the getting his name drawn out of a bucket because his was the only name that was left and he won a Tumblr with uh, Kairos' name on it and Chief's colors. <clears throat>
4: Which was a miracle because I've never put my name in the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Woo. Bless the Lord. Yeah. I think I can squeeze it all within at least 45 minutes. No, I know. After three, you guys are like, oh, no, here comes a fourth. No, it's good. Thank you guys for sharing the words today. Good words. Enjoyed hearing your hearts. Blessed. I know George is probably back downstairs again. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Jacob serves in Beacon, our youth ministry. George serves everywhere and downstairs, mainly in Spark. And Randy is one of our elders and uh, just has served in probably almost every area of the church at some point. I think, not kids, well, giving leadership, (laughs) not kids, oh, Natalia, (laughs) bless the Lord, Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, I want to read this, and I want to talk a little bit, but I also want to uh, do two things before, I won't go long, I'll be like five minutes is all. So um, I wanted to, uh, it's not only Father's Day, but I also wanted to just note and emphasize to you guys that it's also Juneteenth, which is the uh, celebration of the final group of slaves in the United States finding out that they're free, and it was enforced by a general coming over and riding horses into Texas and saying, okay, guys, it's done, you're going to follow this, they're free. And that happened on June 19th, uh, 1865, if I have the last year of my date. So we just want to make mention of that. And we are so glad that uh, just the horror of slavery ended. And uh, we are working towards ending its influence in our lives and in our culture every way possible. First Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 15 it says, For though you have uh, countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. And that's kind of a, a unique scripture because, you know, being a father isn't just producing the seed that creates a child. Being a father is uh, a place that you grow into as a man, and uh, it represents the father who's in heaven. And I just wanted to give you just a few little things about what I feel a father is. Um, I think a father is those that lay down their lives uh, to make someone else's better. So it comes from a place of strength. I think you have to be strong to be a father. I don't think you can come from a place of weakness to be a father. So if you have areas of your life where there are weaknesses, that's what it will hinder you in being a father. And, but you know the father in heaven is the strength that you can go to, and that's the great thing about it as men, is I can take my weakness to the father and he strengthens me. To be able then, from that, be able to pour out of my strength and to serve and to pour and build up others. Fatherhood is all about building up others and often we set aside our side we we sacrifice just as the father in heaven sacrificed for us we sacrifice so that they can be built up we're willing to lay down what's precious to us so that you can find uh, the preciousness for yourselves just as the father in heaven laid down his only begotten son that whosoever believed and received could find eternal life That's what fatherhood is. And we strive as men to become and to grow into all of our lives further and further, grow into better and better fathers. It's something that we're called into. Fathers create. Fathers foster or build up. Fathers sacrifice for. And fathers release. Fathers don't hold on to. We don't get our identity from those we bless. And the only way we can, as men, grow into better and better fathers is to go to the Father and keep that relationship going. Because He's the one that inspires us, equips us, challenges us, and encourages us in our manhood and in our fatherhood. So let me just pray over you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for each and every man here, each and every father here. That they would walk in the fullness of their fatherhood, Lord. Lord, that they would be uh, willing and able to take every weakness they have to you, Lord Jesus, and that you would strengthen them and pour into them, Father. That condemnation or guilt or, or fear of failure or any of the things that would hinder them wouldn't keep them from being the fathers you call them to be. Lord, that they would find their strength in you, Lord Jesus, and you would show your all-sufficiency, Father. I thank you, Lord, for it. I bless them today to walk in the fullness of the life-givingness of being fathers every day of their life to greater and greater degrees. I thank you, Lord, for that. Papa, thank you. Abba, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna close out our service here, but to do that, I needed to read at least uh, one or two dad jokes Okay, I've only got three here, so I'll save the best for last. Dennis and Heather are gone today. I didn't know if you knew this or not. Uh, They're not here today because they've gone on a trip up to see Mount Rushmore. Yeah, Heather's always wanted to go, and and Dennis decided he would go with her. And they went up there. But did you know that Mount Rushmore, before it was carved, uh, its natural beauty was unprecedented? You can use that, Ben. That's bad, isn't it? (laughs) There you go. And, you know, with gas prices being the way they are, I did want to make note uh, for any of those ladies out there that are still waiting for their princes on a white horse, don't give up. It's going to happen here pretty quick. We're going to go back to riding horses. And last but not least... This dad wrote in. He's a big Star Wars fan. He wrote in and said, you know, my son Luke loves the fact that we named all of our children after Star Wars. My daughter Chewbacca, not so much. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> well, God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy the Father in all the areas of your life. Thank you for coming.